Yes, hello, Tyler S. O'Reilly here. Before we start, just wanted to remind everyone of Bazaar Plus, our membership program where you can get extra episodes every week. Just simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. There's a lot to like in this story. It's getting more ridiculous as it goes on. The hunt for the weirdest. What are you talking about? Are you serious? What? So many questions. Okay, I'm going to have to stop here. <laughs> Strangers. This is a masterpiece of stupidity. It's going to get stranger and stranger. I'm quite exhausted. Most unbelievable. If you wrote this as a movie, people wouldn't believe Stories it. Stories to ever occur. An epic tale of woe, joy, nutty behaviour. The fact that it's not more well known is just the strangest. Thing. In the world of sports. This is going to get juicy here, isn't it? We should open a window or something. <laughs> sports Bazaar. How many testicles did he have? Eight. Found <laughs> running naked down a major street in Chicago. <laughs> this, of course, is the last time organised crime and boxing have crossed over. Got up in a press conference. We're here to announce we've swapped our wives. What is going on? It's time for the leaders of the hunt. Got household names for me. It's surely a red flag. It's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Welcome to the latest edition of Sports Bazaar. Hello, Titus. Titus O'Reilly. Oh, it's good to be here. And this week, Mick, I did something slightly different. Oh, where I read an article about two, three days ago, mm. and I thought, we've got to look into this because Dennis Rodman okay. has weighed once again into geopolitical <laughs> issues. Okay. You have my full attention. So... I don't know if you're familiar, but Brittany Griner, the WNBA basketball star, she was yes. This, you, you would have heard of this. She's in Russia. She's in Russia. She's been incarcerated. Yep. For she's sentenced for nine years in prison. She took a prescribed drug or something. Well, she's played for the Phoenix Mercury, and she's two-time Olympic gold medal playing in Russia, playing women's basketball in the off season. And they found her with vape canisters, and the vape canisters contained cannabis oil at Moscow Airport. Now, there's a bit okay. of a sense around the timing of this of. Yeah. You know, America, Russia, not getting on over Ukraine war. Suddenly this high-profile yep. WNBA star is detained who happened to be in she Russia. Has great value to the Russians. Yes. And so the Americans have actually come and said they will swap basically an arms dealer for her. I read that. Is that a fair exchange of... WNBA, it such <laughs> sums up America and Russia. Well, like and these are the friends of the regime. Basically, you know? arms dealers are welcome in the United States anyway. Well, Surprised yeah, you they offer him a job. You don't need to be an illegal arms That's dealer. That's right. It's a, you know, quite a big profession. So yeah. she was convicted nine year prison sentence. So, of course... Rodman a few days ago, who was in a restaurant in DC when NBC News just happened to almost wander up and interview right. him. He was in town for a sneaker convention, which is <laughs> gives you an idea of his credentials uh, in this uh, area. Either addressing the UN, a general assembly, <laughs> or sneaker or convention. Sneaker. I'm here for he, he can do the lot. <laughs> so he actually said, I, I got permission to go to Russia to help that girl. I'm trying to go this week. He doesn't need permission from the US to go. He actually just needs Moscow to give him a visa. So that's okay. the current arrangements. A senior Biden official came out and said he's more likely to hurt than help. And <laughs> they said it's public information that the administration has made a significant offer to the Russians and anything other than negotiating further through the established channels is likely to complicate and hinder release efforts. At the same time, Rodman says he knows Putin too well. Like, we don't really think he knows Putin. Putin. Have they crossed paths? He's been to Moscow and I couldn't find anything where it says he actually met him. He did say in an interview after a 2014 trip to Moscow that Vladimir Putin is cool. But this is back in 2014. He could have played basketball at Putin's house on one of his five <laughs> indoor basketball courts. Have you seen this? He's got an indoor hockey rink. He's got a basketball court. His house 
actually transcends two postcodes. Oh, really? It does. Good to be Hasn't kicked. he done well? Hasn't he done well? Because he always plays fairly regularly in a ice hockey game and it's against semi-professional. It's hard to watch. Yeah, it's and he, watch. he always ends up scoring like a hat trick. <laughs> He's like Kim Jong-un once announced he had eight holes in one. His dad. It was his dad. Dad, yeah, he, he shot something like... 10 hole-in-ones in one round of golf. There's, there's not even 10 par threes on and, that. And the only witnesses was security detail. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you kind of get a sense of... They were good, the North Koreans, at that. I think they did. Didn't they do a World Cup football game once and North Korea got out to like a two-goal lead and then they just turned off the telecast <laughs> and they ended up losing 3-2 but no one, no one knew. ever knew. So, yes, his house transcends two... Postcodes. It's got, I think, a indoor waterfall, it's a ice hockey rink, basketball courts. I always thought it'd be hard to off that, wouldn't it? Like if you ever wanted to sell, to sell it, yeah, yeah. It's a very limited. You're not going to be open for inspection, are you? What do you do with that? <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot of people when real estate say, "What are you looking for?" <laughs> Look, I'm probably looking for an ice hockey rink. Yeah, something in the bowling, bowling. lane. That'll be maybe all right. three basketball courts. We'll settle for two. There's a lot there. This is not the story we're going to talk about today. But he comes out two days after he said he's going to help her, and he says he has no plans to travel to Moscow, and sort of makes out why are you asking me this, even though we have him filmed film. saying I'm going to do it. Leave me alone. So, and this sort of brings us into this Dennis Rodman diplomat. Oh career God. that we're going to talk about. If drugs is an issue in <laughs> Russia, yeah. I would strongly cancel Dennis Rodman to go through all his pockets <laughs> and his luggage before he arrives at Moscow because yeah, right. you could be in an adjoining cell, my friend. The only difference is I think in a hostage situation, the Russians go, we've got Dennis Rodman. I think the States would go, okay. <laughs> We'll keep the arms dealer. <laughs> yeah, Call the whole yeah, thing God, off. Don't worry about it. You keep him. All right. So, yes, he's a diplomat. Well, this is where the fact, though, that he's even saying he's thinking of going to Russia and it's being reported yeah. and all this is amazing because we all know that he has done this before and the story of him and his relationship with Kim Jong-un, oh, wow. the supreme leader of North Korea, a ruthless dictator. Yeah. I, I started looking into this off the back of his recent comments about going to Russia in isolation, if you just said this, you'd go, well, as if he's going to go to Russia. But then you get into the Korean stuff and it is so unbelievable how far he got yeah. and what actually happened that you go, he's not totally crazy if he says I could go and visit <laughs> Putin because it, it's happened before, right? He's, it's, he's done it before. See, now you're saying meeting Putin and all I'm imagining in my head is one of those very long tables, Putin at one end yeah. and Rodman in a wedding dress at the other end. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So Rodman's High level name, chats. Rodman married himself he did. famously. He did. he did a book launch in a wedding dress. He's for those that don't follow this a lot, they might be aware of Dennis Rodman. A lot of most people would know, but he was a basketball player. He was drafted by the Detroit Pistons. Yes. He was very good there. He became a crucial piece of the bad boys Detroit Pistons team. They won back-to-back -back NBA titles in 89 and 90. So he was a, yes. a great defensive player and best rebounder in history, yeah. basically. And then he joins the Chicago Bulls where Michael Jordan had just come back from his first retirement when he went off to yes. play baseball, which is something we might have to cop. At some stage. In this and him, Scotty Pippen, Michael Jordan, Rodman, they become this super team. They win 72 games and only 10 losses in one regular season. 
They win a bunch of other titles, three more titles, back-to-back championships in 1997, 1998. Yes. He dates Madonna. He dates Carmen Electra. He does all these sort of... Didn't he go rogue? Didn't he go he AWOL with the, Carmen Electra? Yeah, he and- went to Vegas. He said he was going for like a few days and he just didn't return. And Michael Jordan had to go and Michael fish Jordan him out. Michael Jordan had to go fish him out. And then another time, it might have been at a similar time, he, he snuck out on the balls to go wrestle Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> but this was like in prime time. That's where you'd look for him, I reckon. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, got, he's gone. Where would he go? Yeah, well, it's Vegas or the WWE. <laughs> and the thing about him, though, is I've always, despite those couple of stories, when people have drilled in and saying he's so quirky, mm. if you take away the fact he's got a few piercings and the coloured hair, yes. he hasn't actually ever been that out there in a way. Like it's not, he's, when, when we study all these guys in sport and how bizarre they can be, He's actually up to the point, I think, of Kim Jong-un, apart from a few benders, he's not <laughs> like the craziest one we've ever run into, yeah. right? But because he does Day his three of a bender is when he, he does his best material. Yeah, but he looks a bit different, which is where he gets a lot of the sure. attention, right? The fact he does all this sort of stuff. But what really is interesting is then he, he forms his relationship with Kim Jong-un. Now, Kim Jong-un, he was born January 8th, 1983. Now, the thing you've got to understand about North Korea North Korea is this closed-off hermit kingdom that information in and out of is very hard to get. Yeah. You know, they they are the most closed-off nation in the entire world by far. I know something. He has someone who follows him around with an ashtray. Yes, because he's a mad smoker. He's a mad smoker. And I go, oh, my God. This if is I your could dream? have one Kirk in the world, it would be someone following me around with an ashtray. Because you are the man that got That's ashtrays put back into Holden cars in Australia <laughs> after a radio Correct. campaign. So the idea is someone following you around. That is absolute power. Absolute power would be if you did that but didn't actually smoke. <laughs> it's just on the off chance I might take it up one day in the future. So he's known for that, but we didn't really know much about him until... The 17th of December 2011, his seven-year-old father died and Kim's 27 years old and he's been positioned to be his yeah. successor. Now, he's, his dad, he was the second ever ruler of the sort of communist dynasty Kim of Jong-il. North Korea. Uh, Kim Jong-il and then Kim Il-sung was um, his father, sorry, and he died of a massive heart attack while traveling by train. So you've got this: his grandfather, father, and then him have ruled North Korea. Is that the train that often goes to China? Is that the one? It's <laughs> yeah, because like the... China sort of supports them. They do. They've always been this. Now, when Kim suddenly is 27 and he's suddenly head of this regime, yeah. there's no certainty he's going to actually keep control of it. Was there trouble in... There's in... always trouble and dictatorships are not, by their nature, oh. they're not always stable unless someone's basically, it's ruled by fear. So people circle. People are circling and circle. everything. So he instantly. And that's we, why you set the dogs on your uncle? That's why you do all this sort of stuff. Yeah. you got to understand what Rodman's getting into because people sort of portray this as, and it is funny, this hilarious meeting of the two, but it shows you also how naive Rodman is sure. about who Kim Jong-un is. So Kim Jong-un, when he comes into power, he carries out a bloody purge of top officials. So dozens of high-ranking figures within North Korean administration disappear. They just yeah. never to be seen again. There's no word. There's nothing to be happened. There's executions done by anti-aircraft guns, mortar rounds, flamethrowers. And then he had his own brother murdered with a nerve agent and as part of an elaborate prank, right? Oh, that's what it was. This is what was it was. Was it in a duty-free shop or well, something yeah, in so, Singapore or So something? two North Korean agents posed. This is how they got to his brother. They posed as social media pranksters. 
Right? <laughs> they're TikToking. Yeah, they did. They duped two Indonesian women because it happened outside of Korea. They told these two gullible women, we're doing a YouTube show and it's a prank YouTube show. Do you want to yeah. be part of it? And if you join us, we're producers stuff, we'll make you famous. And these two Indonesian women go, well, this is great. They're recruited in Kuala Lumpur by this man. He tells them he's a Japanese reality TV show producer. So he literally <laughs> does the... Off, this is off chops. Yeah, he literally is. says, I'm going to make you famous, right? So he said to the women, our first prank is we're going to go to shopping malls and you run up to men and you smear them with baby oil and then you run away and it's going to be hilarious because we'll fall yeah. Laugh out loud stuff. So they do that a few times and, you know, isn't that amazing? <laughs> Finally, they asked to do this stunt again at um, Kuala Lumpur Airport. This is on 31st of February 2017. And the man was um, Yong Nam, the brother, and the oil the women carrying, they weren't told at this time. The other times it had been really oil. Yeah. This time it was a deadly nerve agent. So they Even run up better. to the man and smear it on him and like, ha, 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 and they think it's all like part of this prank he show. He starts flapping around on the floor like a fish. Well, he runs straight to security and says, I'm the brother of North Korea. I've and just been. he dies in agony. The women, unaware, they think the prank's been this great success. They stroll out of the airport but were caught by Malaysian <laughs> security service. Did they post it? <laughs> yeah, they were like, they spend the next two years in jail facing the death penalty and they're later released the judge's accept their claims that they knew nothing about, that these women were just naive. That's perfect murder. Yeah, so the Koreans have done that. So this is what they, they sort of do. He murdered his uncle, as uncle. you said, who had been... Released the hounds? Well, they, they said, there were originally there was this belief they set dogs on him, but they now think that was a, a, an inside joke and didn't actually happen. Right. That he was killed by dogs being released on him wasn't true, that he was actually killed by an anti-aircraft gun. I'm not oh, sure that's... that's I'm not sure that... <laughs> I'm not sure that's better. Imagine defending yourself as if I would do that. <laughs> Get the anti These rumours of me killing people with dogs are ridiculous. I would use an anti-aircraft gun. I'm just happy that they have a proper anti-aircraft gun because North Korea to me is one of those places where you think the missiles are props. You know when you see yeah, a parade, sure. you go... I look at it and go, that's not a missile. Well, that's, this, not a, that's paper mesh. Well, talking, this is amazing. So Kim Jong-un, no one knows much about him. He Suddenly, this is what how he does. He, so he's killed his uncle, his brother, yeah. he's taken out all. So he's consolidated. He's cleaning, spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. He's, he's had a purge, which <laughs> all dictators need to do a purge every sure. now and then. He's, he's consolidated power. It's so isolated that barely anyone gets to meet him. Like barely anyone from overseas ever gets to meet him. Oh, that'd be good. And very few people in North Korea get to meet him. Yeah, it's, Apart if, from the if guy carrying the ashtray. Yeah, if, yeah, this is the, he's his closest friend. I guess sister did it for a while. Well, his sister. I like her style. <laughs> you kind of got a thing for powerful she's, dictators. She's on my list. I've always thought that about you. Um, <laughs> not as many women dictators. As, not enough. Uh, that's when we know there's equal opportunity. That's in when this we world. know we've yeah. made a breakthrough. That's when the, gla <laughs> when the glass ceiling in the dictator world is finally smashed. Yeah. It'll be a better world for everybody. You've been a long-time advocate for I that. I have. Sister actually, to this day, helps him with a lot yeah. of things, and so they're quite tight. But he's really consolidated complete power in North Korea to the point where he – um, has very little contact with anyone else because of the danger of assassination and everything. Sure. And on top of that, everyone is terrified of him. So th this is a place that they're, uh, <laughs> you know, the United Nations says they do extermination, murder, enslavement, torture, imprisonment, forced abortion, sexual violence. They persecute political, religious, racial, and gender grounds is all the rent. They, <laughs> they move people around the country against their will. People disappear whenever they want. They often 
use starvation as a mm. powerful tool against people. They sell illegal drugs into uh, like export them and all this to fund what they're doing. So this is who he's in head of, right? Do you know what's even worse than that? You're only allowed six different hairstyles. Have you heard yeah, this? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you ruthless dictator, like the North Korean <laughs> Rachel or the North Korean. We learned in lockdown that when you took away everyone's freedoms, the haircuts were the bit everyone complained about the most, <laughs> not being able to get a haircut. So you're right. That's... Do you reckon that's why? And if I've, I've noticed this with North Korean military, yeah. they have the biggest hats in the world. Have you noticed that? Do, do, you see of... six generals, we'll post a picture if you're watching this on YouTube, but if you see six generals, Kim yeah. Jong-un, they have comically large hats. And I wonder if that's just to cover now, up their embarrassing hairstyle. Do you know one of the reasons they do that? Right. Is because the food is so poor and the nutrition and the malnutrition is so um, widespread in North Korea, they're shorter than the South Koreans because they're not getting all the levels of protein and everything. But what, they're wearing South Koreans' hats? So, what do you well, say? So they, they compensate with bigger hats. It's like a, man, a short man with the platform shoes. <laughs> they're just adding it on on the it's top. It's true. The North Koreans are shorter than the South Koreans because South Koreans have lived on this Western diet and highly affluent. Got fat on democracy. On democracy and the North Koreans have often starved or gone without. So they, they're literally a, a shorter national average Very of height. Really so like therefore the they've gone down the, the hat path, which as someone who wears a hat, I can completely understand that. <laughs> if you did your show in North Korea, that hat you're wearing right now would have to be three sizes bigger. And then you would store. <laughs> that's what I – I think I'd kill in the North Korean You would market. You love it. Well, that's actually a terrible <laughs> choice or, of words. Or you'd go missing. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of heckless, they release dogs. So this is how powerful Kim is and how terrified everyone is of him, right? Is Kim this a is... popular name? Is that like everyone I seems to be Kim? Kim? Is, Kim that, yeah. is that like a kind of um, Steve or something? It's, <laughs> it's like the Bob. Kim we mentioned a heavy smoker, right? Yeah. So he's a heavy, like really heavy smoker. And this is how much everyone's scared to tell him what to do. He was captured on film having a smoke standing just a few feet away from a missile that was filled with thousands of gallons of highly combustible rocket fuel and he's inspecting it. What could just, go wrong? Yeah, he's just puffing away and several soldiers and advisors are just standing there and you can see them just staring at him going, uh, we're cool. what are you doing? But they're all too terrified to say, don't I think it. you should put the cigarette out. I don't want to be the one. So you think in the Western world if you even light up a cigarette near a cafe... <laughs> Every, everyone's like out the front of a building yeah, comes and tells you off yeah. can't smoke here so he can smoke in front of a missile explosive missile and everyone's like let him do what he wants absolute power yeah so that's what he is so when he comes into power in 2011 nothing's really known about him so the seeds of this idea of Rodman going originally it's not the idea yeah. of sending Rodman to go. There's, actually, it's not as crazy idea as it seems. Like A lot of people who know this story just suddenly one day we wake up and find out that Dennis Rodman yeah. is going to North Korea. We know of Kim that he had studied in Switzerland at the International School of Bern and he arrived there in 1996. And this is the year the Bulls had just won, had won an NBA championship. Michael Jordan's name MVP. Yep. Rodman's playing, they're huge, they go on and do the three-peat, they yep. win the next two. So while he's there, he becomes obsessed with the NBA. He's there under a fake name, like the school doesn't officially know he is yep. the dictator's son. You know, it's all very secretive, but he gets in, it's the only contact he ever has with the Western world. Yep. So he actually starts to like basketball 
to the point where former schoolmates had told the Washington Post that they recalled he spent hours doing meticulous pencil drawings of Chicago Bulls superstar Michael Jordan. <laughs> so he just apparently just was always doing it, right? Okay. So sort of around 2008, 2009, he becomes known that he's going to succeed his father as a supreme leader once his father passes away. So they start giving him some extra roles. So the US government become aware of this and they go, well, how can we reach out to this guy yes. and start to cultivate a relationship with him, knowing he'll be in the job? The CIA discuss sending a basketball player because they know he's a basketball player. An undercover basketball no, player? No, no, like officially send one as a goodwill to meet him, like a Pyong, to Pyongyang to meet him. They actually, the CIA discuss it as a, maybe an idea. Imagine undercover get. though. Like imagine as they're all short in North Korea and then there's one guy who's seven foot four. You don't seem four. Korean. Okay. One of these guys seems strange to me. So then in 2012, finally Kim Jong-un is in the actual role. No American has ever met him. To anyone's knowledge, he's yeah. never met an American. So they're thinking, well, how do we get him to go? Barack Obama calls some North Korean experts in the Oval Office. He's just become president <laughs> and says, how are we going to deal with this new young leader? We know nothing about him. We don't know who he is or whatever. Marcus Nolan, who's an economist who was one of the people who called in, he visited the Oval Office in 2012. He meets Obama and he suggested, why don't we send Steve Kerr who's now the Golden Weight State yes. Warriors coach, yeah, but yeah. Well, played for the 96, played for the Bulls with Jordan, and is, but is quite intelligent yeah, and smart, yeah, so it's well, not the Rodden idea. <laughs> he says, we could yeah. send him. He likes basketball. He can play basketball with him. He's a sensible young man. A sensible guy. Why don't we do it? It might get some limited dialogue. We send him with some other ambassadors and they can get a read on what sure. this guy's like. Obama apparently sat poker face through the whole presentation <laughs> and just nixed it, said yeah. we're not doing that. Steve Kerr found out late, years later that this could have happened and he said, if he'd asked me to do it, I would have done it. But Obama just ruled it out right away. <laughs> At the same time, Vice Media, famous sort uh, of, they do sort of edgy docos, docos and things like that. They decide they want to try and meet the new leader of North Korea and they're thinking, how do we do it? They have heard he's a big basketball fan, yeah. a big fan of Chicago Bulls. So they seek out Jordan. Jordan's like, You've got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> With a cigar. Yeah. They asked Pippin. Pippin's like, no. no. They asked Rodman and it comes back and Rodman, and they said offer to pay and Rodman goes, yeah, well, sure, love to. Wow. So the guy who's the head of Vice or the producer is a guy called Jason Miyoka and he takes news back to the North Koreans in New York that they've secured a Chicago Bull and the North Koreans go up to the hierarchy, pass it up the chain, manage to get a Chicago Bull willing to come. Are to you come. interested? They go, great, come down from on high, green light, bring him over. Then the North Korean diplomats suddenly find out that Vice isn't your average television doco. Yes. They're right edgy and they're trying to disrupt media and sure. they're likely to not necessarily paint them in a good light and okay. they suddenly get very panicked. So they go and meet with HBO who have bought Vice to say, <laughs> look, we just want to straighten out how this is going to happen. Yeah, how's this work? They taking a high-powered meeting with HBO. Yeah, yeah. The, the North, North Koreans. Koreans. The North Koreans go in and they go meet Nina uh, Rostein, who's the network senior vice president, and they say, oh, "We love the show Homeland." And she goes, "Well, that's on Showtime." <laughs> so they say, "Oh," and she says, "Have you ever seen Game of Thrones, which is HBO's massive hit, biggest show in the world?" And they go, "Never heard of it." 
Because it's North oh, Korea, right? Like they only let, sure. unless the leadership think it's okay, they go. No one gets to see it. So she gives them all a box set of Game of Thrones to take back. <laughs> these, are, these are high level negotiations. Yeah. So they come away with the offer of a Game of Thrones box set. They go, okay. We're in. We're, we'll go ahead with it. We'll let it happen. So finally, this is when Rodman's agent, Darren Prince, gets told it's going ahead. Vice of got permission to take you. They're yes. going to take a few other basketball people, which turns out to be a few Harlem, three Harlem Globetrotters, and the production and the film crew, and we're going to go to North Korea. No one from the Washington Generals? Yeah, exactly. I would have thought that would be it. Kim Jong-un could beat them. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's that what you could. Be... So Darren Prince gets organising it, but he doesn't know that there's two Koreas. He hasn't realised there's a North and a oh South Korea. <laughs> that is a rookie mistake. <laughs> When, so you, when, the- when you're planning <laughs> international travel, I would have thought, top of your list, know the difference between North Korea and South Korea. <laughs> he doesn't know and he goes, yeah, we'd love to come to, Dennis would love to come to Korea, not knowing what he's saying yes to, right? Wow. So when Vice said we're going to Korea, he's, he's like, yeah. how much? And they're like, we'll give you this much money. And they go, great. Anyway, he then... <laughs> <laughs> Later, another guy who works with a manager, Steve Simon, who works with yeah. all these guys, with uh, Dennis, he shows Steve Simon the, the itinerary. And he says, he looks at me and goes, you idiot, that's South Korea. Let me see this contract, Prince said. So I showed it to him and it said Pyongyang, North Korea. And he goes, you cannot send Dennis to North <laughs> Korea. Do you understand what type of place this oh is? Oh, my God. So when you say, how did Dennis, Why did, what was his motivation to go? He didn't know he was going. In fact, he was in the dark until he arrived in Beijing on the way to Korea. Rodman himself didn't know. Are you sitting down, Dennis? (laughs) There's been a (laughs) mix-up. You know, when we said Korea, it's not South Korea. So So Dennis thinks, I'm going to do some signatures, run a bit of a basketball camp. Hang out with some K-pop artists. Yeah, and and get filmed by a doco, a Vice no, doco crew. No, you're not. This is great. And it goes, no, you're actually going to meet. He had one no of idea. The, the, no, he had no idea, right? Oh, but even when he got there, he didn't really know who Kim Jong-un was either, right? So it's it's compounded here because his manager didn't know there were two Koreas, but Dennis doesn't even know when it's told it's North Korea. What, it's not like Dennis, the implications yeah, it's not like of Dennis what, had a wealth of knowledge of North Korea and what's going on there, right? Like, say so he yeah. was a bit like, oh, okay, it's not. But they were literally like, his manager admits, I didn't know there were I two I get Koreas. the idea that Dennis wouldn't be able to pick it out if he spun a globe <laughs> yeah. and got him to point. Uh, people Korea. say Americans are insular. I don't know where <laughs> it comes from. So suddenly Rodman is in Beijing and he's about to go and he says, no one informed me about North Korea. I just thought we were going for a basketball game and do autographs. That was it. I was so blind, man. He had no idea. So this is 2013, February 26th. Rodman and all this vice crew, three members of the Harlem Globetrotters (laughs) and all these people, they head off from Beijing to Pyongyang. The circus has come to town. Yep. They're in North Korea and it comes just two weeks after North Korea's conducted the first of three underground nuclear tests and they're openly pursuing a nuclear weapon capable of reaching mainland USA. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's not like relations are great. Yeah. The relations are, or they're hot. Kim Jong-un says, I'm building missiles that can reach reach the United States and nuclear missiles, and they've just done a nuclear test. So things are not really sort of chilled out. (laughs) Rodman's oblivious to this, though. So he turns up the first day, and he thinks he's going to just train a bunch of high school kids at a gym, and it would be really play a bit of an exhibition game. 
He arrives at the 10,000-seat stadium in Pyongyang to find the under-18 national team waiting to play, and their bleachers are empty. There's no one there. No one there. And they're there to play hard. They're there to really learn how to play basketball. Right. So he has to, like, run a coaching session, right? <laughs> the following day, he gets, says, get told, oh, you, you have to turn up again at the stadium, and this time the stadiums were not empty. And he doesn't really know what's happening, but there's 22,000 North Koreans all filling this stadium, the seats, like it's all full. And this is Dennis. He says, I walked up to the stands and sit in front of a desk. There are all these King-style chairs, like 20 of them. Next thing I know, 22,000 North Koreans all stand up and start clapping. It was loud clapping and they're cheering and I'm thinking they were doing it for me. So I wave and someone... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I wave and someone tells me, no, that's for him and points to, at Kim Jong-un who's entering the stadium. So Rodman asks, who is that guy? Oh, my God. And they told me, that's our leader. So I asked, leader of what? <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting in the throne he's while he's sitting, asking yeah, these questions? Yeah, sitting there in the VIP. Rodman said, I've never seen 20,000 people get so emotional. People were clapping and crying. Because there you have to show you're really loyal, You have to bung it on. Well, it's a cult. They're sort of raised to believe this is his family is is supernatural. Like they're like a gods, you know. Like they say of his dad and his grandfather have never officially died. They're sort of like still spirits and officially they haven't been removed from some of their posts. Like it's this very weird system of government. It's that, like that Pope living in the granny flat out the, out the back <laughs> yeah, of the... Just, we don't talk... He's here, but he's not, yeah, you know. He's around. He um, wants to know. So the next thing, you know, the interpreter says to him, this, this is our supreme leader in response to a leader of what? Sure. And Dennis wearing dark sunglasses and a black cap with USA on it. <laughs> he's got his ears, nose and bottom yeah. lip like glinting with piercings. Um, suddenly finds himself in front of Kim and Kim sh- shook his hand and this is reputedly the first American Kim's ever yeah. met. So people have got to understand this. No one meets the Supreme Leader, especially from America. Sure. Like the assassination chance. So the fact this has happened just shows you how much Kim Jong-un loves basketball. It's unbelievable, <laughs> right? The concessions he's making. The first thing he says is Kim Jong-un says, you like my country? And Dennis Rodman said, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. It's okay. <laughs> So he's a born diplomat, right? Absolutely. Kim says to him, all through an interpreter, we asked Michael Jordan to come, but he wouldn't come, so we asked you. Oh, now. <laughs> small talk's not his strong suit, is it? He clearly hasn't <laughs> met many people. I love it so much. It's like the worst thing someone can say to you. It's like, it's like yeah. if you and I get hide for a gig. Yeah. <laughs> we, we try to get Bill Burr. But he, you'll he, have to do. How'd that go down with Dennis? I think Dennis is just like, not really know what's going on. The crowd's applauding all through this because wow. they're standing there. It's being filmed for everything. The players and the audience, because there's an ex- exhibition game about yes. to be played, they all break into thunderous cheers. They're excited to see them, two of them together. Yeah. And then the state news agency reports breathlessly that Kim allowed Rodman to sit next to him. Rodman's kind of on more thinking like Has he got his own they've both got these thrones and they're sitting there and Rodman's sort of on courtside and Rodman's so oblivious that this is a dictator and what's happening that he's kind of still in the mindset of this guy's really lucky to meet me where Kim's <laughs> thinking this guy's really lucky. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. these two guys who are so living in their own worlds yeah. they don't really get what's going on. And so you can see it could have gone very badly, right? Sure. So the teams are picked and both teams pick 
both Americans and North Koreans, they mix up. So it's some of the best North Korean basketballs. And then there's the Harlem Globe tries all this. Right. Robman's not playing. He sits and watches next to Why Kim. Why is he not playing? Because he's sitting and watching with Kim, right? He so, doesn't come off the throne I think he's at about all? 50 at this point. Too. No, he doesn't do anything, right? As they begin to play, the game starts and everyone begins to loosen up a bit because the Globe try to start doing some party tricks. They stand on the basket. They hang upside down and all this. <laughs> the North Koreans are like, Oh, my God, they've never seen anything like this, right? They just think it's um, amazing. The Vice guys are filming and one of the cameramen says he was filming and they were allowed to film and he points his camera at King Jong-un and then to his shock, the young dictator just stares directly in the lens. Okay. The cameraman's saying, uh-oh, he's a bit more sus because he's a fluent Korean speaker, this guy too. So he's suddenly, he's across the, he's like, "Uh uh-oh. And then suddenly Kim, who's staring at him, looks and smiles and gives a wave. Wow. And then notions to his wife to wave as well. And everyone's like, this is just bizarre. The dictator's having a great time. Like kiss cam? Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, yeah. It being, like- is it being projected up on the tower? That's hilarious. Did you get up and do the dancing? <laughs> a kiss cam would have just been absolutely perfect. So the dictator's all playful. So he's right. And him and Rodman are sitting ball. there. They're chatting. Goosey. Yeah, and Rodman's telling him what's happening through an interpreter. Yeah. He's doing play-by-play. They're not ingesting his smile. They're having a great time, right? The game ends 110 to 110 tie with no overtime permitted, so very diplomatic, and everyone goes, No overtime permitted? <laughs> no, nah, it's like, that's very strange. Done. So Rodman then decides to stand up and give a speech, and he tells Kim what an honour and privilege it was to be there. Kim sits there expressionless. Then after that, Kim nods to thank you, gets up and leaves, and the whole stadium sort of goes, Oh, well, that went well. Yeah, well. That's good. So they're about to leave the stadium and the people who are handling the delegation, the North Korean handlers, come up and they move them out of the posse really quickly and say to them, here's an invitation, you're coming to a reception next. All right. So there's no details where they get told to dress properly um, and they're not allowed to take... Wear a big hat. Yeah, wear a really big hat. <laughs> they're not allowed to take phones, cameras, pens, nothing. So only only what they're wearing. No wallets, keys, right. anything, right? You've... And they're driven through the streets of Pyongyang past this wooden area. They get all this way. They get there and they get to this big white building and they have to go through airport sort of security. Right, yeah. And wands are waved over them. And then they go into this marble room with white tables and chairs and there's Kim Jong-un greeting them all like it's a wedding. Like it's they line up and he <laughs> greets them all coming in. Rodman's dressed because he got told to dress up. He's in sunglasses, baseball cap. To dress up over his grey T-shirt, he put a black suit vest over Well him. done. So he's dressed up for him. And a hot pink scarf tied around his neck <laughs> with pink and white nail polish. So that's More diplomats wearing. should dress like this. Yeah. Everyone's smiling. They sit down at their tables. They're all decorated and everything. There's flowers. There's all these vegetables that are things. So it's a lot of money. It's got this caviar, sushi, wine from France, all this beer, everything. Kim starts eating with a toast and they clink small... Uh, glasses of soju, which is like fire water, basically. Yeah, it's not soju. Yeah, yeah, I knew I'm, you. Were. I've had a double. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty strong, right? Yeah. So they're all there. Rodman gets up and delivers. A, at the start, he delivers a long rambling toast, which concluded with Marshall, because he's often called the Marshall of the. You know, Marshall, your father and your grandfather did some fucked up shit, but you, <laughs> you're trying to make a change, and I love you for that. And the whole place goes, "What?" Very silent. Very silent. Holds their breath. Then King John. a very nervous translator. Imagine the guy who's having. Then King John Un raises his glass and smiles, and everyone goes, "Oh my God, thank God!" He's seen the funny side. Yeah, well, he thought of you. There keeps being these 
toast. So it goes round of rounds of toasts of this soju. Right. So everyone gets up and says something and they have another. So they're having like about 12 shots of soju in the yeah. first few minutes. Is Mior- the translator having one as well? So no, he the translator's not it? really into it because Mjork, who's the producer for Vice, he starts feeling emboldened by the soju. He invites Kim Omjun to make the return journey with to New York. He then raises his glass of tumbler of Johnny Walker Black that the waiters keep filling up through the night. And he took a little sip. This is the vice producer. And all of a sudden the dictator, Kim Jong-un, yells and gestures at him. And he doesn't know what he's saying. And he's like, what have I done wrong? What is all wrong? And Mjork is thinking, I've committed a grave error. I'm going to go to jail. But no, the translator says he wants you to scull it. (laughs) Bottoms up. He wants you to drink the whole thing. And by the way... The hounds will yeah. be released yeah. if you do not. Yeah. So he's all excited. So he skulls this whole <laughs> tumbler of Johnny Walker Black and he said, this Mjorka said, it was a command performance. The evil dictator was demanding that I chug my drink. So I chugged my drink. He said, I was still woozy, but I had the mic. So I said, if things carry on this way, on the mic, he says, because they're all past my, I'll be naked by the end of the night. Now, the North Korean diplomat who is translating for the yes. leader she looked completely disgusted at this guy saying, I'll be naked, but she does relay the remarks wow. of, I'll be, if I keep drinking, I'll be naked at the end of the night. Kim Jong-un breaks out laughing, <laughs> thinks it's hilarious, right? <laughs> so they're all having a great time. But um, the great thing is, Mjorka gets so drunk that Dennis Rodman sends one of his posse over to him telling him to calm down. Okay. And he goes, when Dennis Rodman <laughs> is telling you to calm down. You crossed the line. And you're at the North Korean dictator's party. You're embarrassing Dennis <laughs> in front of the dictator. <laughs> <laughs> Just, he's up on the Johnny Walker black. What is going on? This is like a David Lynch film. So then Kim's face is getting redder and redder because he's drinking so much shoju that they think he's had like about 12 shots of it plus yeah. they're drinking everything else. Producer of Vice Mjork says that in his own words, he said everyone is wasted at the party. Then a curtain goes up and on the stage is the Moran Bong Band, which is um, the North Korean version of the Spice Girls. <laughs> So these women are wearing white jackets oh, and skirts that are very short by North Korean what standards. What is going on? Depending on who you believe, they break into the theme of either Rocky or Dallas, the oh, 70s thing, right? Believe it or not. Yeah, they've got electric guitars, electric violins, a drum set and a synthesizer, and they're doing that. And Dennis says, next things I know, they're having dinner and we're drunk as shit. He starts singing karaoke, meaning Kim Jong-un, and I have no clue what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Right? He also says that everyone starts clapping with his 18-piece girl band and they played this one song and he said it was terrible. It was the theme from Dallas according to him. And he suggested to the Kim Jong-un that they learn other tunes like Pearl Jam, Van Halen and the Rolling Stones. And then later on he says when he visits North Korea again, they've learned all those songs. <laughs> so obviously the dictator's gone out. Wow. You've embarrassed me. Go, practice. So it breaks into a karaoke thing. So the dictator... Kim's doing karaoke. Dennis Rodman gets up and does My Way. (laughs) It's all going absolutely crazy. Uh, Mjorka says, if I was being my best, I would have stayed sober and committed everything to memory, but we all really got caught up in the spirit of the evening. After hours of this, Kim Jong-un stands up to give the final toast. He says that the event helped to promote understanding between the peoples of the two countries. It was a frat party. Rodman is pictured hugging Kim and says, you have a friend for life. So that's oh, the first trip. After there that, it is. That's the first trip. After the trip, Fantastic. Rodman comes back 
he's almost surprised that a lot of people in America aren't thrilled with him, especially for saying that he's got a friend for life okay. to a brutal dictator. Who's Given he's just developed also a bomb that can make it all <laughs> the way to the United States. They're like, Robin says, I don't condone what he does, but he's my friend. North Korea, Kim Jong-un wants... Barack Obama to call him. So it's like teenagers. I've got him on the speed dial. Hey, you know she wants you to call her. (laughs) (laughs) He goes on with George uh, Stephanopoulos and says on ABC's This Week, serious news program, Dennis Rom said, Kim says to him, if you can, Dennis, I don't want to go do war. I don't want to do war. He said that to me. He doesn't want to come to war with us. This is where Obama needs to talk to him. He says, I'm good friends. He goes, we get along so well. Basically, we communicate because of sports. He says, I never knew anything about politics. This is Rodman. The, the kind of things about the army, the missiles, the nuclear stuff. I didn't even talk to him about that. I just <laughs> talked about sport with him and he loved that. He says, my mission, then Rodman starts to warm to this. He says, my mission is to break the ice between hostile countries. Why it's been left to me to smooth things over, I don't know. Dennis Rodman of all people. So he's talking (laughs) in the third person. He says, keeping us safe is not really my job. It's the black guy's job, meaning Obama. (laughs) But if I tell you this, if I don't finish in the top three for the next Nobel Peace Prize, something's seriously (laughs) wrong. (laughs) So this is... wow. But the bit about this is while it's hilarious, at this time, the former US Deputy Secretary of State, Stephen Gaynard, comes out and says, there is nobody at the CIA who can tell you more personally about Kim Jong-un than Dennis Rodman, and that in itself is scary. Did the Americans at any stage pull Dennis Rodman in for a debrief at, at no, they, CIA level and go, not well, we, you can be a not useful we, tool for us? Not that we know of. In fact, everything seems to point at this point, especially under Obama, that they're like what, going, this has it. nothing to do. We do not what, know what is going on, but it has nothing to do with us and is not helpful. Do right? not take his calls. Yeah. But Rodman heads back in 2014. This time he's sponsored by bookmakers Paddy Power. <laughs> So he's gone with Vice the first time. This time, Paddy Power. Paddy Power. Power. They think, well, let's get involved. This is around the same time that he's, Kim's just had his uncle executed, right? Sure. So this is like, it's, all it's not like it's calming down, right? Um, he says, so after uh, a few show shoes. Yeah, that's right. He says, <laughs> Robin says, I, I know the marshal. He loves sport. He loves basketball. So I guess that me and him have something in common. So I've come over here to visit him to see how he's doing, see how his family's doing, and just revisit the country. Um, he says, the Koreans just sat there praising me like I was one of them. I was like, wow, I just fell in love with the country because they were so loving. So there's this sense at this point that the North Koreans are just playing Rodman yeah, sure. along. Yeah, he's a bit of a, bit a, of a useful idiot for them, for yeah. them yeah. and all that. Yeah. And he doesn't have any idea what is actually going on there. He says, I basically hang out with him all the time. We laugh, we sing karaoke, we ride horses, we go skiing. We do a lot ride of- horses? <laughs> we do a like lot of cool style, things together. Like with no top on yeah. It coincides that he's doing an exhibition game, which he says, this will be a birthday present for my best friend, Kim, is what Rodman says. At the start of the exhibition game, Rodman sings happy birthday to Kim in the arena. And people get very upset in America about this because you seem to also bow to him as well. Oh so they're God. like, you're singing happy birthday to a dictator. This has been filmed <laughs> for another documentary, Dennis Rodman's Big Bang in Pyongyang is the name of it. Oh the director, God. Colin Offland, says it was really strange and things get very strange. He said Ro- Rodman at the time struggling with alcohol issues. He's drinking heavily. He's behaving erratically. He said when... He was going off. I was thinking, oh, my God, we're at the mercy of Dennis's behaviour here more than I'd anticipated. Okay. So you've suddenly got nuclear power, 
Dennis is drunk as anything. You need radio clowns to look after. They alleged when he sang happy birthday, he was like off his absolute head. He then says, and this is before Trump has become president. At this point, Trump is talking about Rodman. Rodman says Trump and Kim should meet. Trump should come over and meet him. Trump tweets out, Dennis Rodman was either drunk or on drugs, brackets delusional, when he said I wanted to go to North Crew with him. Glad I fired him on The Apprentice. <laughs> now, it's true. Rodman was on The Apprentice twice with Donald Trump and knows yes. Donald Trump really well. And Donald Trump fired him the first time on The Apprentice because he spelled Donald Trump's wife's name wrong. <laughs> Ivanka? <laughs> no, this was um, Melania. Melania's easier than Ivanka. <laughs> yeah, so, he, so Rodman spelled it wrong. So You're so out. You're fired. Rodman then comes back from... Um, this North Korean visit and spends three weeks in a New Jersey-based alcohol rehabilitation centre. <laughs> he says it wasn't just about drinking. He says, I was trying to decompress from all the things. I was trying to get this game going, got, get everything going in North Korea. It was a lot. His agent says, Dennis came back from North Korea in pretty rest, rough shape emotionally. The pressure that was put on him to be a combination superhuman political figure <laughs> and fixer got the better of him. Now, at the point... No one's asking him to fix anything. No. You know, it's not like anyone, he hasn't been appointed. Doesn't sound like it. What's the name of his doctor? <laughs> <laughs> big Dennis, Bang in Pyongyang. Big Bang in Pyongyang. Dennis Rothman's oh Big God. Bang in Pyongyang, um, which I think won't won several Oscars, I'm sure, um, without checking. Um, <laughs> so like a Ken Burns style. Yeah, it was very, very, it was very interesting. <laughs> in an ESPN interview after this 2014 trip, um, Rodman starts to express some remorse of his visits and friendly relationships. He says, if you don't want me to go back there again, I won't go back. If I put anyone in harm's way, I apologize, you know. I wish they understood the whole purpose of why I went to North Korea. I wish they did. So he's really sort of saying, like, yeah. making out, like, I'm trying to bring peace to the world here. You're not getting why I'm doing yeah. that. Where everyone else is going, mate, you're not doing that. You're just making a dictator look like, you know. Yes. He's trying to um, defend it, but at the same time he says, this guy is my friend forever and ever and ever. So it's this weird sort of thing. Yep. Mike Tyson takes aim at him. <laughs> Stop it. That's when this... No, I thought the nut house was full. No, Mike Please. Tyson says of Rodman and his comments, it's treason. It's treason 100%. Look, I'm not politically incarnate or anything, but when you examine <laughs> what treason is, it's treason. And was He's this in- at the United Nations General <laughs> Assembly, <laughs> this speech? He was, he was meeting with Angela Merkel about economic <laughs> policy. Rodman says, well, Kim's great. I don't know what you're all talking about. Um, they gave me the presidential suite in the best hotel in North Korea. They gave me maids, chefs. So he's like, why would you not like this guy? Around this time, he's he's suffering these me- like meltdowns on CNN and interviews. He's, part of it is he gets asked about a guy called Kenneth Bay, who's an American missionary who'd been detained in North Korea right. at the time of charges of anti-state crimes, which is really snuck into um, North Korea and he's spreading Christianity. Right. He's sentenced to 15 years hard labour. And so they, CNN starts saying to Rodman, you know, what are you doing this? And Rodman basically starts yelling at them and infers that Kenneth Bay's in trouble for what Kenneth Bay did. He blames right. Kenneth Bay, which the family gets annoyed at and it becomes a huge media storm, right? <laughs> Rodman says, I embarrass a lot of people in an apology about this. I'm very sorry. At this point, I should have known better than to make political statements. I'm truly sorry. He then writes a letter in November 2014 addressed to my dear friend for life, Marshal Kim Jong-un, begging for Bay's release. He doesn't get an official response, but Bay's release le- later that week. 
after oh, already being detained for two years. He has done some good. Um, I hope it, the family apologised to him. Well, this is the thing, right? Bay says, I want to thank Dennis Rodman for being a catalyst for my release. Uh, because of his rant, the media attention on my plight was increased. So if I meet him someday, I would just want to say thank you for what he's done and really brought international attention to my plight. Altogether, it worked out for my release. I'm grateful. Now, there's a lot of people that say this is just more of the North Koreans creating, creating ridiculous things, building Dennis up because Dennis is a friend of theirs while... You know, it had an outcome. Yeah. Whatever nutty well, that's, way that's we got something. there, it got but this, there. This is where it's like actually got a serious edge to all this, yeah. right? Like it's actually the thing. There was another guy, Otto Warmbier, an American college student who'd been in prison um, in North Korea in 2016. He eventually is let free, and Rodman claims some credit for this. He'd fallen into a coma in I'm prison, aware of this case. left, yeah. and actually dies not long after. But he does get released before he dies, but it's in a coma. Rodman sort of takes credit for that, saying, you know, that was part of his attempts to get him out. Other people in the US Department of Stuff had nothing to do with it. Yeah. But a North Korean expert, Ken Gao, said to Time that Rodman's not the best ambassador we could have, but it's who we have. <laughs> so there's a bit of a thing of we don't know about... we. He's a problem for the Americans. He's, a, he's he? a problem because they can't control him, which is why this Russia stuff more recently is kind of interesting because he, he has... Him. Kenneth Bay says, Rodman helped get me out by not his di- diplomatic pressure, but by going nuts and carrying on about it. The North Koreans went, this is too much It suited the us. North Koreans. And it also suited them. But it's... That's how it works, it's right? That's how it works. Um, on the return from this trip as well, at the same time this is all going on, Rodman's been investigated by the US Department of Treasury because he bought Kim several luxury gifts totaling up to $10,000, which is technically illegal. There's <laughs> sanctions on North Korea. You can't import luxury gifts. This is the most North nutty Korea. story of all time, but you're telling me what's <laughs> going to bring this whole thing down is well, $10,000 worth of gifts. So to- the gifts include hundreds of dollars worth of Irish Jamison whiskey, European crystal, an Italian suit, a mink coat, and an English mulberry handbag for Kim's <laughs> wife. Um, he was facing possible prosecution because it's obviously illegal, up to 20 years in jail. This just disappears. Oh, I would have I've so. looked everywhere, and someone, one of our listeners might know better than me. Didn't but pursue it. It, it looks like they, like, it, the story came out that they were investigating it, and then it just seems there was no, nothing ever happened, right? Okay. So at this time, Trump is fully in presidential campaign mode. It's, um, and in July 2015, Rodman comes out and endorses Trump's 2016 <laughs> presidential campaign, <laughs> tweeting... Donald Trump has been a great friend for many years. We don't need another politician. We need a businessman like Mr. Trump, exclamation mark, Trump 2016. Trump tweets back to Rodman. Thank you, Dennis Rodman. It's time to hashtag make America great again. I hope you are doing well. So this is the two things. It's said at the time that the only person in the world who has met Donald Trump and Kim (laughs) Jong-un, there are two men who have done it. One is Dennis Rodman <laughs> and the other is South Korean National Security Advisor Chung Ung Yung. So he yeah. Yung. So Rodman Does is he like, have a nose ring? <laughs> he he was not a great basketballer. No. So Rodman's the only person except for us. Yeah, who's met both men. Rodman knows Trump from his time on his apprentice, which we mentioned. He's sacked twice by him. It was 2019, 2013. So only a year yeah. before he went to Korea, he was working with Trump. People don't forget, Trump hosted in 2013, he yes. was hosting The Apprentice. In yes. 2016, he's president. Yes, he is. 
In 2017, Rodman goes back to North Korea. This time, Trump is president. Um, he presents the North Korean sports minister of a copy of Trump's 997 book, The Art of a Deal, <laughs> as a gift to give to Kim. <laughs> and there's pictures of him handing it over. Wow. He said, I think Kim didn't realise who Donald Trump was at that time, I guess, until he started to read the book and started to get to understand him, said Rodman. Now, Trump didn't write the book, so that's awesome. Awesome. The sports minister said to Rodman, we feel like you were an old friend. And Rodman said, I'm just trying to open the door. He said, I'm pretty sure Trump is pretty much happy with the fact that I'm over here trying to accomplish something that we both need. Trump had in the past said about Rodman before he became yes. president that um, his Rodman's visits to North Korea were smart, right? He's a smart guy. In December 2017, Columbia University professor of neurobiology, Joseph Terwilliger, um, he'd accompanied Rodman to North Korea Said uh, one, on one of these numerous trips. He said, while I don't suspect that very many Americans would have chosen him to be an emissary or international goodwill ambassador, Dennis has a long friendship with Mr. Trump and has also developed a very cordial relationship with Mr. Kim. In this tense climate, as we stand at a perilous crossing, Mr. Rodman's unique position as a friend to the leaders of both US and North <laughs> Korea could provide a much-needed bridge to help resolve the current nuclear standoff. Boutros, Boutros, Rodman. <laughs> so they've literally this got this guy hilarious. from Columbia University professor going, this guy is, could I don't know be why. standing between us and nuclear war. I don't know it's how. Dennis Rodman. It's just happening. <laughs> this is out of control. So finally, Dennis Rodman, no one knows how much Dennis actually contributed to this, right? Sure. Finally, it's decided that Trump and um, Kim are going to actually sit down and meet and negotiate. Rodman's explained how that they could sort of do this. Rodman says, it doesn't have to be a friendship type of conversation, just a mutual conversation saying, hi, I would love to engage in some words and politics over the history of your country and my country and just try to start some sign of dialogue. I think that will open up the door just a little bit. So Rodman's obviously bringing enormous intellectual... He's thought this through. <laughs> yeah. Um, he goes and visits North Korea again quickly before this um, Singapore summit between Trump and Kim Jong-un. Um, he then goes to Singapore, this time to be at the summit. Now, he doesn't have an official role, but he's sponsored to go to this summit by Potcoin, which oh, is... just, <laughs> I don't, I can't keep up. Potcoin is a digital currency, like a Bitcoin, yep. released to facilitate transactions within the legalised cannabis industry. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. So he's a, Pot, pot coin. Has anything shown you like the the way the world has moved culturally? Where he starts on his first with Vice Media. Yes. He then moves to uh, Paddy Power, and now he's with a digital currency in legalized cannabis. I wouldn't be taking pot coin to Russia, by the way. <laughs> if you right. go to Russia, that's a giveaway. So he's there. He says, "I'm happy to be part of it," but he's actually not in any official role, not meeting with anyone. When asked on th uh, at the summit whether Rodman would have any role with Kim Jong-un, Trump said, no, he was not invited, but he's a nice guy. I like him, which is typical Trump. Uh, Rodman gets all like saying that Trump should have the Nobel Peace Prize for this. It's, you know, it's a, he says we're on the cusp of a big, beautiful deal. He then gets tearful in an interview with CAN and he does this rambling quote where he says while he's tearful, it's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. When I said those things, when I went back home, I got so many death threats and I believed in North Korea and I couldn't even go home. I couldn't even go home. I had to hide out for 30 days. But I kept my head high, brother. I knew things were going to change. I knew it. 
I was the only one. I never had no one to hear me. I had no one to see me. But I took all those bullets. I took it all, but I'm still standing. Today is a great day for everyone. Singapore, Tokyo, China, everybody. It's a great day. I'm happy to see it. I'm so happy. Well, there you go. Singapore doesn't really do much. They have a second summit in Vietnam. This point, Rodman says Trump doesn't listen to him. He said he wouldn't believe me anyways because Donald Trump is Donald Trump, you know. Donald Trump wants to be the man. He wants to be the first guy to do his things and stuff like that, which he's not, you know. I met Kim Jong-un before he did. <laughs> There's a third summit in the DMZ yes. on the border uh, between Trump and this. They sign a joint statement and say they're going to denuclearize. And this is seen like Rodman has brought the, these two powers to the point of denuclearization. They literally built a special liaison officer on the other side of the border in North Korea for them to do the signing in. And Donald Trump crossed famously I've into seen that, that. It's famous that, footage. That meeting, yeah. Uh, in June last year, North Korea blew up that office in a symbolic thing to say <laughs> the deal's all over. It's done. So since then, Rodman's still receives invites to go to North Korea. He didn't go for a long time. Donald Trump wouldn't let him. He hasn't been back since. He said, it's up to Donald Trump. If he opens the door, I get the call. They want me to come back every month, but I can't go because Donald won't let me. Now, there's no word if Biden has let him, but he He's hasn't grounded. He's grounded. <laughs> Donald Trump's grounded. Dennis Rodman. Um, what a world we live in. He says that North Korea has been a positive thing for me. He says that if you went there yourself, you'd see North Korea, they have certain ways. You have to adapt to it, but that's the culture and way of life. It's different, but it's interesting to see. He was on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He said, for some reason, Kim Jong-un likes me. I'm being honest, he likes me. I think the fact that people don't really understand the fact, if you actually go over there and meet him, obviously you don't see him talk on TV, but for some reason he trusts me. And when I went over there, the first thing he said to me is, Mr. Rodman, we just want to know, can we trust you? And I said, absolutely. He said, I'm close enough to him that the fact that we can, he can discuss anything with me, but the deal is I don't discuss politics because that's not my job. My job is to be a human being, to try and connect us with him. It's, he could be a mad genius. Well, this is, there's been speculation that Rodman might be an intelligence officer working for the CIA <laughs> on North Korea. The CIA neither confirm or deny oh, this point. Geez. And is Gary Rodman, Busey, he's going to go there <laughs> yeah, as yeah. a CIA player. So there is this thing of is Rodman really playing everyone on the break and is really this mad genius like yeah. you said. And I Jury's out. In conclusion, I would say that I will leave it to his famous agent, Darren Prince, who didn't know the difference with, that there were two careers, <laughs> who said this about Dennis yes. for most of the time and let people then decide based on this quote whether they think he really was, if where the, sure. the CIA would use Dennis Rodman. Far away. He said the backlash against Rodman going there was all about the way Dennis vocalised and verbalised in several interviews. The only problem was that he was drunk in several of those interviews. <laughs> wow, you've blown my mind. I just, part of me really wants him to go to Russia. <laughs> please, please. I want Donald Trump to be voted back in. Send Dennis, yeah. And I want to see him riding a horse without a shirt on next <laughs> to Putin, Putin and they solve the world's problems. Hey, look. I think this is the only way towards world peace. It's bound to happen. Thank you, Titus. Bizarre Plus is our members program that gives you extra content every single week. If you're interested, just follow the link in the show notes. Cheers.